the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Heart of the City. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development here at KGNW. I'm so excited to be with you today. Heart of the City is a program about the heart of God towards the heart of the city, and it really emphasizes the heart of God towards each individual. I've had the opportunity now to interview several of our local pastors and ministry leaders, and I have to say to you that it's exciting for me to be reminded about how God works in unique ways to each individual Mm -hmm. to bring them to himself. And uh, I'm excited today to, as our guest, to have uh, Alan Belton, who's the senior partner of Reconciliation Ministries at Breakthrough Partners. Alan, welcome today on Heart of the City. Well, I'm so glad, and thank you for this great invitation to, to come and talk about my passion. Well, my passion is to hear your story, because uh, in that story, there is, uh, there is an understanding of how God is faithful and how God uses people in unique ways. Uh, tell me a little bit about Breakthrough Partners, first of all, and then we'll get back to the beginning of the story. What, uh, what do you do as the senior partner for reconciliation? Well, simply put, I try to love as many folks as I can. <laughs> I think that's at, the, that's at the core of reconciliation is the love. Uh, I, I, I immediately think of, of, a, of a hymn uh, that says... Uh, 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 lest I forget, uh, Gethsemane, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. In other words, the, it literally uh, remind me of the cost. C.S. Lewis says it much better. He says that the, the salvation is, is, is free, but it's not cheap. Mm. And so I think that uh, my role with Breakthrough Partners has been about reconciliation, both here in the Seattle area, uh, and and uh, nationally, internationally, uh, I, I spend some time. I spent some time in a number of places in the in the world, Africa, and uh, but most recently, the last uh, uh, since I've been with Breakthrough, I've been spending quite an opportunity to, in the in the uh, former Yugoslavia, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the Balkans, uh, and uh, for the last fifteen years, I've been involved in a in a ministry there. That uh, happens once a year uh, with young young leaders from this this year, well, over fifteen countries uh, around reconciliation and forgiveness and bitterness and uniqueness and purpose. Well, out of that uh, that teaching and that ministry that the Lord has called you, obviously there was uh, seasons of your life where you had to come to understanding that teaching. And let's go back. A ways, uh, as you and I have 
have been introducing ourselves to each other. You're a very young, 78-year-old African-American man, born in 1939 in San Francisco area? No, Brooklyn, New York. In Brooklyn? Yes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh, excellent. So you're a New Yorker. Yes. Coffee, coffee. I can't even say it right now. I'm so westernized. Uh, I, I understand. So born in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And then uh, how long in New York before uh, you moved out uh, well, to the probably West Probably the first uh, you know, five, six years of my life was spent in, in Brooklyn. The lady who adopted me moved to San Francisco uh, when I was probably around uh, seven or eight. And... Uh, and that's where I, I grew up uh, for the good portion of my life, being coming back and forth to New York because, of course, we, we stayed in touch and we're back there sometimes six months a year. So probably through age 12, uh, probably a good eight, nine years of my life. Yeah. yeah, so your formative years then, I mean, you probably do have some recollection of World War II as mm-hmm. a young boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the full impact mm-hmm. of all that was going on, but certainly recognizing what was going on in the United States at that time and then on into the 50s uh, with uh, with all of the social upheaval that was beginning to take place in the United States. Mm-hmm. What was your life like as a teenager in the San Francisco area? The, the woman that adopted me loved Jesus, and she would say uh, that she would, she would tell folks, I'm going to let him use some of my religion until they get some of his own. Her name was Rena. And she she was faithful till she died to that, and she not only taught me, uh, but she lived it out. Uh, I somebody there's a song I heard in South Africa uh, singing, and they said, "Learn me, Jesus." Mm-hmm. Uh, she really learned me by her lifestyle. Uh, I, I now I can say that I didn't understand it then as well as I do now, that she really loved God and she lived it out. Mm-hmm. And I think it had a tremendous impact. And when, when, when I was, you know, old enough, she would say, now some people are going to make fun of you or, or think light of the fact that you were adopted. But you tell them that a, that a lot of children came by accident or they, people didn't, they weren't they, they planning for them. But I wanted you and I adopted you. Mm-hmm. And that's why you are my son. And uh, and she said, and don't make me shame. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds like a very strong woman. Yes, yeah, she, she was she a very was. godly, wise, uh, faithful woman. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. So, do you recall a certain point in your life where you you gave your life to the Lord, or was it just something that was a part of your life uh, from the very beginning? And it was, uh, or was there a was there a season of your life where you were walking away from Him, or? Well, well, yes. Uh, the first five years of my life, coming, to, uh, she went to work for uh, domestic work for a doctor, Doctor Ann Purdy, and this, I had uh, difficulty, uh, various problems, and they diagnosed it as growing pains. Well, in reality, it was it was rheumatic fever, which is an eastern disease. Uh, I was born before penicillin, and uh, and all the moxicillins that come after it, and so it it had damaged my my heart and enlarged my heart. And it attacks all the joints. And so I spent the, the second five years of my life in the hospitals, uh, Stanford, uh, Livermore, San Francisco General, uh, Stanford in San Francisco, and then Stanford in Palo Alto. Uh, and this doctor that she worked for, uh, Dr. Ann Purdy, uh, took me in as her patient, uh, 
gratis or what, however you want to say it, and she took care of me, hmm. and she loved me. Uh, a, a doctor, a Purdy, from Philadelphia, and she she loved me and took gave me the, the best of care. And so at, at 10 years old, the pastor that I was, the church I was attending, uh, prayed for me. And God just seemed to uh, bring healing to, of that. I was not supposed to ever play any sports or be active, pretty much. But uh, he miraculously uh, brought healing. And it was at that point that I realized, I, I was probably 10, 11, that I needed, I owed God something. Hmm. And that was a big, I think it became, uh, God got my attention. Mm-hmm. And I'd heard the gospel, uh, I'd seen it, it been preached it, but I think it really registered with me that, uh, that I had a response, that I had an opportunity to, to have God in my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked him in my life, and he did. And I haven't been the same since. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was the beginning of my my spiritual awakening and my and my and my growth uh, in the Lord. I think probably the second, uh, because I do want to uh, share this is is uh, ten years after I was married uh, that I had another real awakening. Now there were experiences with the Holy Spirit and coming to know who He was and have it in my in life. But I think the Holy Spirit informed me. Uh, I went to a I went to a Gothard conference. I mm-hmm. remember Gothard. Bill Gothard. Bill Gothard. Okay. Sure. Uh, and he was preaching on b- bitterness. He talked about you know his, uh, the principle of bitterness. So I, I took good notes, and so I was going to go down and uh, speak to our church. I was pastoring then in Monterey, and so and so I, this was probably what you were twenty nine. Yeah, years yeah. Old? I'm I'm about no, I'm I'm about thirty thirty seven. Okay. Uh, Mm-hmm. But let me just go back a bit. I met this lady, uh, uh, and I felt that this was the woman for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The one issue was that she was white. And when she, I asked her, would she marry me? She said, I can't marry you because my father will disown me. And so we stopped seeing each other uh, to really you know, seek God's will. We wanted to be in the center of God's will. She was a believer. And at uh, the end of the year, we, we met uh, at a bat- baseball game, actually. We were, I was working for the Salvation Army, working with children. And she informed me that she had some real experience with the Lord and had grown and, and wanted to reconsider our relationship. What year was that? That was, that was the—I met her the year that Kennedy died. That was 1963, mm-hmm. the week, actually, that he died. Uh, and that was probably 1960. 63, that was, so it was about 65, mm-hmm. okay? Lots going on in the country at that time yeah. with race relations. Watch riots. Yeah. Uh, it was against Detroit, the law. Chicago. <laughs> it, was, it was against the law in, in six states to, to marry. The miscegenation laws were mm-hmm. in effect. Uh, Virginia was one of the states. And so uh, we felt it was God's will. We met with her father and her mother and the pastor and he did disown her and threatened to take her life if she married me. He sent her away, and the longer course of things, we connected, got together, and were married. And he, we went, our wedding, he did not attend the wedding. None of her family attended the wedding. Mm. We were, he treated her as though she was dead. Mm. And 
10 years later, this, that's the, the awakening point, I was going to talk about bitterness. From the Bill Gothard concert? Yes. Or, or a yeah, conference, yeah, you'd yeah, come yeah, back? And, yeah. and, and the text... The, the, the text is uh, three texts, uh, Matthew 5 uh, and, and Matthew 6 and Matthew 18 really lay it out. Uh, and so uh, Peter, uh, P- let me just read it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my uh, uh, often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times a seven. For, for this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished, uh, uh, wished to settle an account. Uh, it, 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 it opens to us that great uh, parable of the, they call the, the, uh, the, the wicked uh, servant that owed Jesus or that owed the servant and what what occurred is he forgave him this massive amount of money, and then the servant, uh, when he realized someone else owed him just a small portion, I'm telling it quickly, the mm-hmm. parable here in, in this in the 18th chapter, uh, he wanted to have the man thrown in jail. So when Jesus said, uh, of course, when he does a parable, he wants to make clear truth that people can grasp and understand and follow. Mm-hmm. That's the point of the parable. And so he lays it out and he says, calls him back and, and says, you, he, he calls him an interesting word, you wicked servant. Wicked. Mm-hmm. Wicked. Which kind of, you know, puzzled a bit, but then when you look further, he uh, he, 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 then he wants, he wants mercy. And Jesus says a very strong, the, the last part he says, uh, if we do not forgive our one who has sinned against us, neither will our heavenly father forgive us. Mm-hmm. And so that point, the Holy Spirit said, you have got bitterness against your heart and your heart against your father-in-law. Call him. And so, had you ever had any conversations with him at all? Not from the time and we 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 uh, parted, and and he so was. So it had been ten years, right. or more, that you'd had no conversation. Had your wife uh, had conversation with her mom a, a or anything? Distance, but, distance, but nothing. Nothing. Relationship was just yeah dead, and so uh, when I called him, I said to him, "The Holy Spirit has convicted me." of the fact that I have bitterness against you for, and here's the thing, I was bitter against him for the things that he had done. Uh, he, he, he disowned his daughter, his mm-hmm. oldest child, uh, a beautiful, fine mother. We had two children that were his first grandchildren. He, he it didn't acknowledge their existence uh, and just forsook her. And I, I was really uh, bitter about that. I just said, well, it's in the Lord's hands. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, no, it's not in my hands. Call him. And so when I did call him, I got through talking to him, Chuck, he hung the phone up. Hmm. But at that point, I had such a peace mm-hmm. that I had done God's will, and I, and I had a, just a freedom around that. I, I forgave him. I really forgave mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and loved him, which was just incredible in light of 
these things I've been harboring. Now, this man, this father-in-law, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. believer? Uh, no. Not not really? N- not, no. No, wasn't not a believer. Point, no. Mm-hmm. I'm sure shocked that he heard from you. Yeah, uh, yes, so, p- partially so. Uh, in fact, three months later, we get a box of seized candy, the first gift hmm. we'd ever received, uh, milk chocolate, Two-pound C's can. No, you you may not know about C's. Oh, I do, I do. (laughs) And uh, that was that was the first uh, uh, indication. Mm -hmm. And then he invited us shortly after that to come to celebrate one of their anniversaries. I don't remember which anniversary it was. I could do the math and do it. And so I went to the anniversary with my wife, the first time she had been in the company of her mom and dad after our, our marriage, and. Uh, he had invited me to to to, to speak and to sing. Hmm. After that, her grandmother, who was probably the most racist and the most really very strongly opposed to this, she was afraid about the children, how they would look, et cetera, et cetera. Right. She thought she was crazy for marrying this. We and that, we were called we were called Negroes then. Right. Okay. And she she it took Margaret, my my wife to England, where Marcus' family is from the England and Isle of Man, and to introduce her all of reintroduce her all the family, the cousins and whatnot, for a month, at at her expense. And the the the, the, the great thing, Chuck, I, I I get teary every time I tell this. Guess at my daughter's wedding, my oldest child was born on Thanksgiving Day, Elizabeth. Guess I, I officiated. At the wedding, guess who walked Margaret down the aisle? Mm. Her father, mm. Art Norman. Wow. And at that, at that wedding, it looked like the UN. We had every <laughs> color and hue and type. Huh. And uh, the, last, the last years, because, of course, it really impacted Margaret. Sure. I, I wish she were here. Mm-hmm. We do tell this story together. Uh, 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 she she uh, spent the last year of his life with him. We were living in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he was it reached a point where he needed he needed care, and so we moved down. She moved down, and spent the last six months of his life uh, till death. Hmm. Uh, and they were able to. Before then, she had also uh, he took to other trips, but I mean, this was kind of a culmination. Right. Of this, I have been invited. I've done five funerals. Uh, the five, his funeral, his wife's funeral, his his mother's funeral. I've done five weddings, uh, and I just did uh, an aunt here just last month. Uh, and the family is 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 healing and together. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a picture of all the cousins, and of course, we've got every hue and type. We've got uh, the first uh, 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 blue-eyed Belton. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I laugh rejoicing because I saw God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And let me say this. It wasn't for my it wasn't for my father in law's benefit that I asked his had to ask his forgiveness for my benefit. Right. And what we see in this text is Jesus saying suffering often people go through is because they have bitterness in their hearts. Until you, Bitterness is like eating poison and expecting the person that you are bitter towards to die. Mm-hmm. 
And that has just been a tremendous revelation of my minute of reconciliation. Because, of course, that's the second phase. I think so many times you think, well, I want to ask his forgiveness so we can have a relationship. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's the first step is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Then reconciliation is a, a lifelong journey. And forgiveness is also a lifelong journey. Because what Jesus is saying here to, to Peter is, brother, this is, this is what I've called you to do. This is, this is part of a disciple. Love your enemy. I mean, you don't do that quickly. You know, what's, yes. inter- what's interesting, Alan, is you're sharing your story, and I've seen this now throughout the whole series of times that I've talked to people uh, as they shared their story. They can go back and recount the, the, the pain, if you will, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the injury that occurred. Yes. But it's almost like when you can recount the scar that's on the back of your hand yes. that there, you, you can talk about that injury, but the pain is no longer there. The scar is there. Yes. But you can talk about it. You can touch it. You can, you yes. can see it. But you say, that, that no longer has pain in my life. And I look at what you're recounting, obviously, those years where there was uh, that division in the family, that had to have been painful. Oh, it was terrible. I, I had colitis. I was striving to try to, to improve. I was good enough. Mm-hmm. About, you know, I had stuff I didn't even realize. We now understand that even immune systems are affected by mm-hmm. it. Hearts are blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Bitterness is a killer. It is. But because of God's faithfulness, because he, he, he pointed out to you what you needed to do, no matter what the father-in-law did, that became the point of the beginning of re- reconciliation, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, of, of, of asking for forgiveness. For forgiveness. But also in, in that Matthew 5 text, you know what? It's the only place in Scripture where God says, stop praying. She says, if you're down praying, you're offering, and you you realize that you have ought against your brother, stop praying. I, let me translate it. I don't hear another word from you <laughs> yeah. till you get this straight. Wow. I mean, you read the text and you see uh, uh, that he's very clear on that. And then, then you see he hits it again when the, in the Lord's Prayer. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Then we, then Peter asked him in, in 18, oh, how many times I have to forgive somebody? And then he gives this long teaching and exposition. He exposits in the sixth chapter as well. But then he goes over in, in this 18th chapter and gives it, he, he nails it. He nails it mm-hmm. when he says, if you don't forgive and this is this is heavy. This is I mean it's, it's it's a heavy thing. If you don't forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Mm. But that's a heavy one. That is. Well, we've got about one minute left, okay. and I will. I, your story is a is a is a dynamic one. But I just uh, want to encourage those that are listening right now. There's a message in in your life story to people. Just take 30 seconds or so and just challenge folks who are living in that unforgiveness right now what they can do to, to be reconciled to the Lord mm-hmm. in this. Can you do that, uh, Alan? Just share a little bit and encourage the people. Yeah, yeah. 
the, the, the gospel is, is founded on reconciliation. The, uh, uh, Romans 8 talks about how that God has put us in right relationship with each other. First uh, Corinthians uh, talks about that we've been given the, the ministry of reconciliation so that God is preoccupied. And it only makes sense. I mean, he's made us and created us in his image and likeness. Well, of course he wants to be reconciled with us. Mm-hmm. And so salvation, I think sometimes people uh, too shallowly say, I'm saved from something. But I realize what we're, being, we're saved to something as well. It's the restoration of a relationship with Jehovah, with God, that empowers us and, and gives us the ability to live life in all the different things that we face and encounter. Uh, Alan, one more thing. You've got uh, an important event coming up, a prayer breakfast coming up on um, January the 16th uh, this coming year, yes. in just a few months. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. This is the fifth annual Martin Luther King Jr. prayer breakfast. Uh, Dr. Uh, Brenda Salter-McNeil is the speaker. The purpose of it is to bring together diverse community around the spiritual emphasis, legacy of Martin Luther King, and as to talk about reconciliation and forgiveness. Uh, That's, once again, January the 16th. It's going to be at the Sheraton, and uh, they can go online and register for it. Uh, Last year, we had over 500 people come to it. Uh, it, it's reflective of the entire Seattle community. It is an opportunity f- for us to really live out and make connection with people that we would not normally have the opportunity to do so. Well, if you want to get more information about uh, Alan or more information about the Dr. Martin Luther King Prayer Breakfast, uh, you can go to Breakthrough Partners. That's BreakthroughPartners.org. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. God bless you, Chuck, and your ministry. Thank you. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.